Hey guys, this is the Final Flight Podcast for Throwers, brought to you by Track Barn, your one-stop shop for custom apparel, bags, and equipment. Use the code MEMES15 at trackbarn.com to get 15% off your purchase this track season. Also, be sure to follow Track Barn on Twitter and Instagram at trackbarn. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Final Flight Podcast for Throwers. This is episode 14 of season 2. I'm excited to introduce you to one of the Olympic hopefuls, Katie Riker. You'll hear how this sprinter turned javelin thrower made an amazing decision in her senior year of high school that changed the course of her athletic career. I want to thank Katie for taking time out of her schedule to come on the show. If you aren't already, give her a follow on Instagram. You can find her at riker.katie. And if you aren't already, give us a follow as well at Memes for Throwers. Thank you for listening and enjoy episode 14 of season two. Hey guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Final Flight Podcast for Throwers. My next guest is a two-time GNAC conference champion, a four-time NCAA Division II All-American in the Javelin, a four-time USTF CCCA All-American and Western Region All-Star. She holds the Western Washington University school record in the javelin and in the indoor pentathlon. She competed in 2016 USA Olympic trials for the women's javelin. She's currently working with the javelin project and hoping to get a spot on the USA Olympic team for this year's Tokyo 2021 Olympics. Oh, and I forgot to mention that she accomplished all of this and only starting throwing javelin as a senior uh, in high school. very accomplished in a short career that she has. So please welcome Katie Reichert to the show. Katie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I think we kind of like jumped on a live uh, just randomly one, one night, I think. And like, um, and I was just asking you questions and I found out um, you're from kind of the area that I'm at. So you're from uh, Washington state. Mm-hmm. Um, which like, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, like you went to Western Washington, so maybe you didn't have to answer this question, but I think now you're down in California. Is that correct? Can you hear Sorry, me? Sorry, just broke up. Oh. I'm down in California, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm originally from Kelso, Washington, um, which is just about an hour north of Portland. And then I went to school at Western in Bellingham, and I lived up there for about eight or nine years and I just moved to Redondo Beach, California uh, about a week and a half ago. So, you know, it's, it's big change. There's yeah. sun all the time. <laughs> have to wear sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a fun it's a fun mix up for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask you, um, I mean, maybe not so much right now, but maybe probably in the future or maybe like you've traveled on to, you know, different areas of the country. Um but like when you you know talk to people and you say that you're from Washington, do you have to specify like Washington State? Because I feel like I sometimes have to do that to be like, oh yeah, I'm from the I'm from Washington, and then like they're like, oh, the nation's capital, like that's 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 awesome. I'm like, no, like Washington State, like there's actually a separate state that's Washington. Like, do you, do you yeah. run into that a little bit sometimes? Yeah. So I actually, I lived in Boston, Massachusetts for three or four months after graduating college to do an internship out there. 
And that's when I really knew that I had to say Washington State because you're so close to D.C. that they're all like, oh, so how's the Capitol? And I'm like, I've never been to the Capitol. And I'm like, oh, they're very confused. So I had to, I started that then. And then even now in California, they, people ask to, and clarify. So it's pretty funny to me because I'm like, well, Washington is the state. I don't, yeah, it's, but yeah. So definitely have to clarify from time to time. Exactly. And then like, being from Kelso, like, I, I, I grew up in a town called Woodenville. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would just tell people I grew up, I'm like, oh, I'm from Seattle. Like, because that was, like, the, cl- the closest thing, even though I'm, like, 25, 30 minutes from, like, actual Seattle. Like, was that kind of, like, you growing up, too, when you try to tell people where you're from? Yeah, definitely in college. People were yeah. like, where are you from? I'm like, Kelso. And they give me this blank stare. And I'm like, it's north of Portland. And they're like, so it's in Oregon? I'm like, no, it's in Washington. <laughs> but, or you get people, they're like, I've been to, I came from Kelso. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been there for like a thousand softball tournaments. So it was one or the other. <laughs> it was always yeah. one or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So growing up in Kelso, um, you know, we're one of the few states that actually have javelin. And then like, you know, we had chatted a little bit that um, you didn't throw until your senior year, which is, an amazing accomplishment because of, of the career that you've had so far. Um, were you um, kind of talked into it? Like, I think you mentioned that you did track, like, but you didn't throw at all, like when you're like in high school. So maybe walk us through like, like childhood was, was track even a part of like growing up, like, um, you know, probably you and I, you know, and most of the people in Washington, like tracks kind of a secondary thing where we would just kind of do it as a, uh, trainer for the other sports that we would have like for the other seasons either for you maybe I don't know if that's like soccer but for me it was football and basketball and and, uh, and track was one of those things where I just did it to kind of quote unquote like keep as a thrower keep in shape which is not necessarily like a real thing but uh, but yeah how did you get involved in that were you involved in athletics at a young age and um, when did you start? Yeah, so I think track is a keep-in-shape sport for a lot of people in high school, but for me, that wasn't the case. Um, My parents both were very involved in athletics, and I was very involved in athletics um, from a young age. And so uh, (laughs) – sorry, I'm turning back up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think track was one of those – sports for people that was a stage sport but it wasn't that way for me my parents both were very involved in athletics um throughout their childhood and I was very involved in athletics throughout mine as well and so sixth grade when I could start doing track because my dad was a hurdler and my mom was a hurdler and a sprinter and so um I always just couldn't wait to see you know what the hurdles were going to be like and um I wanted to try high jump as well And so I started track like in a sixth grade intramural session. And then, you know, you get your real season starting in seventh grade, but all the way from that time until even a couple meets into my senior year, I was a sprinter and a jumper. So I did the hundred hurdles, the 300 hurdles, um, high jump in the four by four. And then very happily uh, got off the four by four to start throwing javelin my senior year, couple meets in. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of other sports growing up too. I'm a huge advocate for multi-sport athletes for, um, uh, young growing athletes and youth, uh, youth sports. 
Uh, I did five sports up until my, or five different, I was on five different teams up until my freshman year of high school. And so, and then I kind of dwindled down. Even once I started in college, I did the heptathlon because I don't think I could have just done one event after doing that many things. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I mean, obviously you kind of grew up like in a, an attractive field family. So you're kind of uh, used to those things, but it's funny that you, kind of listed off the events that you did you know the 100 hurdles 300 hurdles and then in my mind I'm like oh she's gonna say the four by four because that's generally what comes next after you say 300 hurdles for most for most people out there who run the 300 hurdles is the four by four because you kind of have that that already kind of that distance already in there and you can't run the open four because it's almost back to back to the 300 hurdles so you're kind of like you're kind of stuck on being on that but Good, good for you to figure out throwing to like kind of get out of that. Now, how, how did that, how did that happen? Was it like, were you just like on a field one day with the throwers and like you just grabbed a javelin or did you like chuck a baton like halfway through, like across the, the field there and, and the coach was like, Oh man, she could probably throw the javelin. So I, well, I also was an outside hitter in volleyball and I also played third base and left field and softball um, all the way through, you know, up until high school. Um, And so my high school, our high school javelin coach was quite the stud as well. She um, threw at the Olympic trials. She was a two-time All-American at Seattle Pacific. Um, And so, and she also was my elementary school PE teacher. And so we had a little bit of history going back and, um, she always was like, Hey, you got to try javelin. You got to try javelin. And I just, I already had four events. So we kind of, you know, didn't do anything, didn't do anything. And then finally my senior year, I was like, you know what, let's, let's try this. This sounds fun. And so she, you know, took me aside and had one practice aside with me just kind of to see if I could do it. And then from there on, I was practicing after doing hurdles and after doing all the other events. Then um, we went to the head coach and we're like, Hey, I I really want to, try to throw this and he's like okay well we'll let you throw against you know like this meet or that meet because they wanted to make sure we still won you know all team conference and everything and and I was like yeah but like I I really think I'll be good at this you know I just want to try it and and our our coach is like you got to give her a chance and so finally he's like okay fine and uh I think I won that meet or I got second or something I did really well as a starting uh starting off person and uh from there on out he was like okay fine you can throw in all the meets and I was like yes (laughs) so that's kind of how it rolled and then um I was really lucky and really blessed to have a coach that um was very knowledgeable and had a a lot of experience um and so she really helped me grow quite a bit in just one year that's awesome do you remember what your PR like what your throw was like your first meet like I'm sure I mean that was a long time ago for you but I mean, it was over, obviously over 100, or else they probably wouldn't have, like, like Well, to, I, I, I do think my first meet was just under 100, and then okay. I think after that I was over 100 for the rest of the year. But I do think my first meet was, you know, somewhere in the 90s, I think. I, I, I yeah. don't know off the top of my head. Which is, which, is still, which is still pretty good for someone who's, like, never thrown the javelin before, and then, you know, here you, here you are just kind of checking it. But um you know like at what point did you so obviously during the season and then you ended up going to state throwing the jab yeah I I tried to make it to state all through high school and my senior year I made it to state in the 300 hurdles and javelin 
And so, do, you, do you remember what you finished at, at state? I got second. Were you, so were you guys, uh, did you compete at the uh, Mount Tahoma? Mm, yeah, I think so. It was, it was 3A. We were yeah. 3A then. Yeah. So I think either it was either Mount Tahoma or the Lincoln Bowl. Yeah. I, I think so. But, I think it was. Know, yeah. And the, the throwers area was like outside the stadium, like somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like as like always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like the, 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 the small schools that I'm at. So I, I coach at a 1A school, okay. you know. So our state's over at, at you know, Eastern Washington University. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, they have winds that are so bad there. They blow like right to left and they push javelins all the way over. So we have yeah. to hug that right hand. Like my throwers have to hug that right sector for it to like, you know, land like right in the middle. But, you know, they don't they don't necessarily, you know, think about javelin when they create, um, you know, these areas for them to throw at. It's usually more discus. And how can discus benefit from those things? But um, yeah, I think that, I mean, that's an incredible story for, for anybody. And I think that's also a testament for, you know, people out there who, you know, want to try something like you never know, like what's going to happen, um, you know, just throwing an event. And, you know, cause I have, I've always told kids like, Hey, just give me like a week, like give me two weeks to like potentially like see what you can potentially do. And you know, and they don't want to because either one, like they're set in their ways or two, they don't think they're going to be very good. And then like your testament testimony of like being like, Oh man, like if you just try it, like who knows like the potential that you could potentially have. And in that, cause obviously you went on to have a career at Western. So, you know, you graduate from Kelso. Did you know you were going to go to Western, like regardless of anything, or were you approached by them to like do track and field up there? Um, no. So my, my recruiting was very unconventional, um, because of how late I started. I, and I also was kind of indecisive to be honest. So I, um, <laughs> playing volleyball, I loved volleyball, volleyballs. I still love playing volleyball. Um, and so I was looking at potentially going to a junior college to play volleyball because I'm just a little too short to play front row. Um, at like a D3 or D2 or D1 or anything like that. And so um, I was looking at some opportunities for uh, community colleges for volleyball. And then I was looking at Western for track and I had sent them my sprint stuff and they weren't interested really, you know, they hadn't gotten back to me. And so I was looking at Western just as a school to go and not do any sports, which um, looking back now is a crazy, crazy avenue that would have been completely opposite of what I ended up doing. Um, but so I kind of, I was torn between a couple of different community colleges, either doing just volleyball or doing volleyball and track um, and, or going to Western and doing no sports. And then um, midway through track season, you know, it's spring season, it's late in the year. Um, I got a letter from Western because of my javelin marks and they were interested in um, providing a partial scholarship and, so we began talking a little bit more um, and we talked about some heptathlon um, points as well with my sprint background and my jump background. And so um, that became the forefront of my decisions um, once I decided that volleyball wasn't going to be what I wanted. So really late, I think 
the last day, the day before the last day, I could decide. My mom walked in and she's like, you know where you want to go. Why don't you just decide? You know, I was so so afraid of making the wrong decision that I just was like putting it off. And so um, we chose Western and signed the letter of intent, I think a week or so later. And um, it all of the story began. But I, I think that um, a lot of people in that position, you know, they've done a sport for many years. They start the recruiting process in their sophomore year of high school, and it's very stressful and all these crazy things. And they're talking to all these different coaches, and they've got all these different letters. And I was just like, well, this one sent me a letter because it's so late, so let's just try that. And I got so lucky um, with the program that I fell into yeah. because of um, just the javelin history of the school already and the coaching staff that was there. But um, with what could have been, I just got so extremely lucky with how kind of late notice it all was. Yeah, exactly. And like, like you said, like it just kind of seems like it all kind of worked out and it was almost, almost better because you didn't have to even make a bigger decision for like what schools you like you wanted to go to. And, you know, if there's other opera, you know, offers that would have come in, like that would have prolonged the, the decision but obviously just getting the one so late just kind of made that decision for you which obviously like looking forward from the future like that's like like it was a good decision for you because of like where you're at right now but you know um not to harp on Bellingham but you had to you had to like live up in Bellingham that's you know I don't know I'm I'm just not a big fan up there but that's just me like for those of you who, have, who haven't been up there uh <laughs> for those of you who don't know like she's giving me this face of shock but I I, 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 I it just it just okay so I, I I don't want to dig myself in a hole and I don't think there's a lot of followers that follow me from Bellingham anyways but like like you got to recycle and you got to compost everything and there's a meet up there that we go to that is run by Seahome High School and there's a coaches thing and like there's literally moms that are like managing the garbage cans that are out there and I have this plate of food and they're like this thing goes in this compost pile like this thing goes in the recyclable and then we're gonna wash these like plastic forks so we can use them later and I'm like what is this like just let me throw the stuff so literally I would like take my playbook thank you thank you and I'd walk out the door to like a garbage can so I wouldn't have to like like go through the garbage Nazis that are up there that like so like harping on everything like come on you gotta agree with me like that that's legitimate up there correct that's your biggest concern <laughs> oh uh well as yeah, as sad as it is, I do have to agree with you on that one. Um, I do remember going to college yeah. my first couple weeks and looking at all the signs that are, like, telling you what, where to throw what away. And I'm just like, um, where does this – okay, where does this plate go? Is it recyclable? Is it compostable? You know, but um, I would say, yeah, there's definitely a poll for uh, some – you know, eco-friendly and recycling and stuff in Bellingham. Um, but I also think that there is amazing amounts of beauty up there. It's a great highlight of the Pacific Northwest in terms of the bay being so close, Mount Baker being so close. Um, I started hiking this summer finally. And just, I mean, m my friend Amanda and I went on probably eight hikes in two months and every single one of them was just gorgeous and completely well-maintained and um so being able to go to a college that you look out your dining room uh windows and you're looking at the bay every day is a pretty amazing uh yeah. thing that you get to do <laughs> yeah that, I, for those <laughs> disclosures you have to look at where to throw your trash away at the end of the meal 
<laughs> exactly. People like people. I I literally like I'm a grown man and I getting yelled at by these moms because I'm trying to put stuff in the wrong bin, and so like I'm just like I don't know what to do about that. Like I I literally don't want to be scolded by like putting garbage in the wrong container. So I don't know. Like and I don't know. And for those, I mean, for those of you who have been up there at Civic Stadium up there, I mean, it's a nice stadium, but like if it's raining, which like half the time always like it's raining, like Washington. It, yeah, it's Washington, exactly. It's super cold. Like, I don't know, there's a vortex of wind that just kind of swells in that stadium. It's always cold all the time and it's always wet, but, but it is beautiful in the summertime. I have been up there. There's a nice ice cream place up there that's like, super nice like different kind of like random flavors the first time i ever had lavender ice cream you know and i will admit it was different and good but like but yeah but bellingham is bellingham you know people love it up there i think that's kind of like you know i have friends that live up there right now and they, and they love it but you know there's some really really cool local food places to eat um up there too that's i was like I was so bummed that they shut everything before we moved because we were like, yeah. okay, so we have to eat here, here, and here before we leave. And then everything shut down and we we're like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. When's the next time I'm going to get this place? <laughs> yeah. so. I, I just remember there was like um, this, I think a college hangout cafe that was there. It was open, always open like super late, like just kind of a diner. Do you remember like, what I'm describing? The Horseshoe Cafe. I think so. I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember it was like super, it was like just a dive, but the food was like super hours. good. Yeah. And like, really good. <laughs> yeah. We went like, we went like three in the morning. Like we were just like hanging out. Like I went out with like my buddies, my buddy was going up there and I remember we were just playing video games. Like we're super hungry. And like, there wasn't, there's not a ton of like fast food places up there. Like, <laughs> like I think there was like a taco time maybe, but like other than that. So then we went to this diner. It was open at like 24 hours, I guess. And so we went in there like three in the morning. And I ordered like this almond and it was like, oh, this is so good. Yeah, <laughs> and it's bit, like, like huge portions too. Their loaded hash browns are amazing. They're like <laughs> stuffed with cheese. There's also a late night crepe place down the road that's really, really good too. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're in Washington and, and you want to experience, like go, go, don't go to a track meet up there, <laughs> but <laughs> go to like the local diners and like ice cream places and crepe places and go on hikes. Like mm -hmm. you'll, you'll enjoy it, but don't go during the rainy season. So go during the summertime. Go to the lake. Time. The lake's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's talk about like, you know, your career up, up at Western, you know, and like you said, you're kind of a javelin factory up there. I had, a, I had a, an athlete of mine who, we graduated from here. Shout out to Carson Pettit. Like, I don't know if he'll listen or not, but maybe, but he was one of the guys that you, uh, that I think, I don't think you or maybe Bethany um, came and talked to him about potentially coming to throw um, up at Western. And he was choosing between you guys and, and GCU and he chose the sun um, <laughs> over the, over the rain and the sorting out of the garbage and all that stuff. And, but you know, it, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, you obviously like landed in a good spot for Javelin because I mean, you and Bethany, you, I mean, what a great combination for you guys to compete against each other there. Um, you know, how, how was that to have someone that you could throw against like that on a daily basis? Obviously you guys push each other. Uh, were you guys like back and forth, like getting the record at the, at the school and, um, how was that for you? Yeah. So we were actually a year apart my freshman year. 
Um, it was me and Slater Hurst. And then I redshirted. I hurt my elbow at the end of my freshman year, and I redshirted my sophomore year, which was her freshman year. So then our sophomore season was, like, our sophomore season together. Um, and, yeah, our sophomore season, I'd say, definitely was just back and forth the whole year. I think both of us – I think every meet we went to except for one, we were one-two in every meet. Mm-hmm. It was just one of us was one and one of us was two, and it went back and forth all the time. Um and it was just kind of a crazy year. And then leading into that year was also the year we took one, two at nationals. Um, her getting first, me getting second. I think it was three centimeters apart. Mm. So it could not have been any closer. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a crazy experience to get to train um, with her and also with Slater and John, um, who were incredible in their own right. Um, and so just, we had this kind of group of four for the majority of my time there that we all had a very common goal and that we wanted to be great, whatever that meant for us. Um, and that all of us wanted to be all American, all of us wanted to be national champions. And we did have different ways of going about that. All of us for sure, because we were very different personalities, but there was this commonality across the board um, that was just a really incredible group to be a part of, um, for a solid amount of time. You know, I, I think a lot of people, sometimes they get a little bit of that in in passing as like they're a freshman and somebody that was a senior inspired them to do something or, you know, something along those lines. But for us, it was like a solid three years that we got to just grind and, you know, improve and try to be our best. And it was, I look back and really enjoy and I'm grateful for the fact that I got to be a part of that. Yeah. And that's, it's so cool that you're, you know, I think that's what's the coolest thing about like, you know, track and field in general is, is that, you know, even though it is an individual sport, there's also that team dynamic that's, that makes it so much better for that and then when you are able to you know become friends with those like on your team that you're competing with it's nice to be able to like have that friendly competition and almost makes it a little bit easier because sometimes you know you go to schools you know you're kind of the you know if you're the top dog you know there's not necessarily ones out there to kind of push you to to be better until you get to actual comps but it's almost like you know you were that for each other like on a daily basis, which was probably made going to competitions like super easy just to be able to compete because, you know, you were able to see each other throw in that, in that, in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it definitely helps. It helps you, you know, iron sharpens iron, that common statement that people will say, if you're throwing against someone on a daily basis, that's throwing far, um, you're always going to be trying to throw far too. You're not just settling for, Oh, well, that was a good day. You're like, Oh, well, I was 10 feet shorter today or whatever, you know? And, and um, everyone changes, you know, some people throw far in practice. Some people don't, some people throw far in competition and never throw very far in practice. I'm kind of that way. Um, and so, you know, it, there's a lot of things you have to do when you're in those situations to make sure that you're keeping your head on straight and make sure that, um, you're still staying true to your goals and um, your progress. But at the same time, um, having someone there physically that you can see as a challenge is, is very helpful. 
Yeah, and that's kind of a, a segue to like my next question because you know, um, you know, right now more than ever, right now, like mental health is kind of a hot topic as far as like you know, how people are dealing with like what's happening in the world right now, like from COVID to like you know everything that's going on, um, and so um, you know, as an athlete, that you know in a sport where sometimes we like to compare each other to like, you know, what's going on, like even our teammates or those who we're throwing against, like, how do you find what works for you, for you to be in a mental state to be uh, positive? Because, you know, for you at a high, at that high level, you know, it's almost, it's almost demanded of you, like as a, you know, in your career that you were going to go to nationals and you were going to, you know, you guys, you guys are going to go one and two. And if it wasn't, if, if Bethany was going one, like for sure you're going to go number two or, you know, if Bethany's not throwing well, like you got to be number one, like how are you able to keep a state of mental health that was healthy for you to be able to number one, like continue to love what you're doing at a high level. And then number, number, and then I guess number two, it like um, just to be able to stay positive because, you know, throwers have this stereotype of like, we can't have emotions. Like we just got to throw and eat and throw far and repeat and, you know, do these things and like not talk about it. But in the state of throwing, as you know, like you throw one, it's probably, I mean, you might throw a horrible throw. Well, you don't get a week to think about the next one. Like you got like maybe 10 to 15 minutes before you can like make whatever challenges and then clear your mind to throw the next one. Cause like, hopefully it's going to be better. If you dwell on that, then you know what's going to happen to those other couple attempts that you have. So um, for those listening out there that kind of struggle with that, like what has worked for you um, in that way? And um, like, we just kind of share like, you know, how, how have you, how are you been able to stay uh, positive? Like even like, during this time of COVID as well. Yeah. I think, I think mental health, I think that, you know, staying positive, staying motivated is something that every person struggles with. And I think accepting that fact um, really helps people to not feel um, outcast or different. I think that it's very, very human to experience negativity and self-doubt and getting down on yourself for your performance in certain times. Um, but I do think that as or the most important thing to learn is how to deal with that and how to um, keep a positive attitude as much as you can. I think um, one of the things that my dad drilled into me from a young age was there's only two things you can control and your attitude and your effort are those things. You, it does not matter what happened to you or how you just your performance was but the way you present yourself and the effort that you put towards your next rep or your next attempt um really define you as a person and so I think um for me I definitely spent a whole season relying on that um when things weren't necessarily going as well as I wanted my junior year um coming off of a huge sophomore season and being second. And then Bethany was also redshirting that year. So I was going, okay, I should be number one, you know, and I think I PR'd by an inch that year. Like it was very underwhelming. Um, And so, um, you know, keeping your head on straight and, and really looking at whether that be with reflection through journaling or, 
um, some sort of tracking system that you're running to really look back and go two months, like two months ago, I was lifting this much weight and now I'm lifting this much weight. Like you have made progress, you know? Um, I think a lot of those things help me personally in coming into competition to really, um, to really accept the fact of how hard you have worked this year rather than, you know, once, once you've done the work, it's really easy to write off how much work you've done and you're, when you get nervous and you're going into a competition. And when, when you look back and go, Oh my gosh, a year ago I was doing this, you know, I was lifting this much weight and I was throwing this far and this is what my form looked like. And then you look forward and you see all these changes that you've made, all these progressions that you've made. You can't, you know, you can't argue that. So then the only thing you have left to do is just trust in yourself and really talk yourself into letting what you're planning for happen. Yeah. And um, just, just that's the plan. That's the goal. So why not let it occur? Yeah. I think that's, that's so good. And I feel, you know, so, so much of throwers are so caught up in the numbers you know, and the distances, which obviously are important, right? But like, it's like the doing the things right in order to get to those is more important than that. And sometimes as you make changes, you know, and you're starting to tweak a little bit, you're going to have those numbers go down. And you've got to remember, like, I just, I just love the, I mean, it's such a cliche phrase, but you just got to trust the process, you know, and I think that's just, know so key but I love what you said like you can control your attitude and you control your effort like I think that's totally key for you know how we are to get through this you know pandemic like yeah like sex we have to wear a mask and all these things but like how is your attitude like like having to do that right like you can be mad about it and you can do all those things or you can be like well you know just another day and hopefully you know one less day than you know closer to when we're gonna have to when we get to be back to normal so yeah. Yes, you know, I think that's great advice, but you know, I think that's you I think also, Oh, I think also with the pandemic making things happen for yourself is really important. Um it's really easy to not feel in control of anything that's happening. Um you know, I was supposed to open my season a week after everything shut down in Washington last year and mm. you know, you you find yourself waiting and trying to stay at that elite level, you know, competition level of training to wait for an opportunity. And then that opportunity gets taken, and the next opportunity gets taken. And, and, you know, it's hard not to feel like everything's been pulled out from underneath your feet in a situation like that. Um, but in terms of training and now, you can't just sit around and wait for anything to say that it's okay to do this or it's not okay to do that like do things according to the regulations and be safe but make opportunities for yourself if that means that uh you only have a brick wall in your garage well there's eight different drills you can do you know if that means that you only have a 10 pound dumbbell in your house there's plenty of bodyweight exercises you can incorporate with those things you know so um doing what you have with what you like doing what you can with what you have um i think is just the whole summary of the pandemic training <laughs> yeah, and trying to keep your head on straight in the meantime <laughs> right, right no that's awesome i, I think that's such, such good advice and i mean it's so simple 
and yet it's easy for us to apply that we sometimes forget of like just those kind of key foundations of you know what you can control like your attitude and your effort and then doing what you can with what you have i think is you know because you know everybody's just like oh well i don't have the facilities i don't have this and that well you know i, I like i told like i <clears throat> was telling someone someone was like well i only have a grass field and i you know i can't throw shop but it's like well can you go to home depot and buy like a a piece of plywood like a big sheet of plywood that's probably like 20 bucks he's like oh i never thought about that it's like oh, well there you go just throw that on the ground and, and there you go so yeah you just gotta you know think out the box and try to be creative and i think that's what's you know good because you know back in the day like there wasn't no such thing as some of the things that we have and obviously there are people who were you know slinging javelin and shots and discuses and hammers just as far so yeah. um but yeah i think that's awesome I think we've become very accommodated to really nice facilities and really nice equipment and, you know, things that attach to your body so that you know exactly how fast you ran past this thing and that thing. And, and those are great and it's wonderful in a perfect time, but that doesn't mean that we can't get better or can't improve upon different parts of your technique or your strength or anything in this time. And that's all we can do right now. So that's what we yeah. got to roll with. Right. Um, I want to uh, kind of transition a little bit because um, I want to talk about the USA Javelin Project. And, and I think that's a super cool uh, program um, that's being started. And you're kind of like part of the foundation, or like one of the f first uh, kind of group that, to go through that. Um, for those that don't know, like Maggie Malone. And then well, who's the coach? I forgot his name. So or no, why don't you, why don't, yeah, why don't you explain? Why don't you explain who? Because uh, you're part of it. I'm, I'm not, but yeah, you're part of it. <laughs> so the USA Javelin Project um, was, I guess, formed in 2020. I want to say, um, yeah, I think that's right. Well, <laughs> let me start over. <laughs> so the USA Javelin Project was formed last year. Um, Maggie Malone originally approached Tom Putzkus. Uh, the coach regarding if he would be interested in training a group of athletes um, if they would move to where he was living in Alabama. And he was like, that would be an honor. This would be amazing. And so um, I think the group grew a little larger than they were expecting because it was such a cool opportunity. Um, and last year there was, well, Ethan Shalloway, Maggie Malone, Avion Allgood, Justin, crap. Justin Carter. Can we edit that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I shouldn't name all the people because I'll forget someone. So I'm just going to back up a little bit more. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the USA Jam Project was formed last year. Uh, Meg Malone originally um, contacted Tom Putzkus to see if he would be interested in training a larger group of athletes. Um, going into the Olympic year and he was ecstatic. He thought that would be an honor. So a group of people, um, I think there was about five or six athletes that relocated to Birmingham to train with him. Um, and then myself and Curtis were training remotely. Curtis was in Mississippi and I was in Washington um, for last year's time. And now Curtis has relocated since graduating um, to Birmingham as well. And I'm relocated to California, but still training remotely with them. Um, and it's just, it's an incredible group to get to kind of see javelin in the United States being focused on um, 
with a, a larger number of people that are all training for a similar um, goal. And so I go over there every few months, not so much right now, but typically, um, and train with them. And otherwise they're training together day to day. And um, I'm on a similar program at home and do some remote training with Tom in terms of some Skype FaceTime throwing sessions on occasion and some video swaps. Um, but it's, it's a really cool group to be a part of. I think that the people living in Birmingham are really, really um, growing in the process. And I think that I am as well. And Tom is an incredible coach to work with. Um, I had been working with Ben Stenslin previously from Western and um, after a couple years out of graduating, I just was looking for a little bit of a change. And so what I've learned from Tom and just some simple, really simple technique changes have really changed the way that I throw um, as well as how his outlook is at training because he was um, an Olympic level javelin thrower in the nineties. He was the American record holder as well. Um, and he trained with, I mean, he competed against Jan Zalesny. So he was at this time of like javelin height, a javelin height, you know, and he's just, he's got so much experience and so many incredible stories that it's just really cool to listen and just be a sponge every time I'm around him. Um, even his outlook on training and just the level of intensity that he expects all the time is incredible. And I just, I love the energy he brings to um, training. That's awesome. And like, um, you know, so are you able to like in your, like where you are currently, like do you get out to a track? Are you, or are you just doing drills right now against a wall or like, how, how is that for you? So with moving and everything going on, I, well, for one winter in Washington moving, I just had a, I had a lot going on in my life about a month ago. Um, and so we, decided to pause on training and just try to keep a fitness level, um, keep my fitness level up. And then upon relocating to California, um, I've been looking for gyms and for tracks and tracks are hard to come by. So we might have to work a few special um, programs out until I can find um, a throwable space other than just some grass training. Um, but I have luckily found a gym that is pretty amazing. And so um you know, the last week and a half, we've been starting rebooting my fitness levels back up, getting some volume work back in again so that I can get that base set again and be able to really start um, pushing towards 2021. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty exciting so far. Yeah, that's, I mean, it sounds like a lot, like, as far as, like, just um, you know, different parts in, in your life. I mean, relocating down there to an area that's way different than, you know, Washington state. Um, and then trying to figure out all the stuff while a pandemic is going on and things are shut down. Um, I just feel like, you know, you know, people professional athletes like yourself, um, that have to, you know, find and be creative in that way, I think is, 
is super awesome. I mean, it just shows testament to the respect that you have for the, um, the craft of javelin. Um, and then also just the passion that you have, um, for that, for the sport. And so, uh, I think that's just awesome. And people just need to, to, to hear that and to be inspired by that because it's not, I think people get this idea that like, um, you know, these, you know, professional athletes are those who are, you know, trying to compete at the next level of the Olympics. Like they live in this plush area. Like they get like, like this, like super nice, like things and a jot, a javelin robot, like brings your, your javelin back to you. And like, but it's not, that's not like the reality of the, the situation. Like it's, it's kind of, I mean, what you described it to be. So, um, if I can encourage you, just keep on, keep on doing it. Cause I mean, that's, that's awesome. And hopefully, like you said, 2021 will, will be um, a memorable year for you in a, in a good, in a good way. But um, so right now on track being that it's like the middle of, of January, um, like, do you have specific things and benchmarks that you want to hit up before like June, which is obviously when the trials would be like, um, you know, I don't want you to like share your secrets or anything like that, you know, for people who are listening, but like, um, you know, like, are, are you, are you planning on trying to find some competition, like, like comps to go to? Um, is there, are there anything that's out there right now for you to potentially go to? Or um, are you, is it pretty much going to be like in-house kind of an like inner squad type of thing, like with the Javelin project out in, in Birmingham? So I think that, um, typically I would have a lot more benchmarks and season plans, but I think with everything with the pandemic last year and now looking into this year with so much unknown, um, it's not really worth planning in advance to me right now. I think that, um, I know I need to work really hard. I need to, you know, get lifts, keep, keep getting the lifts to go up, keep getting the, you know, technique to click, keep working on you know, everything that you would be working on to better yourself in general. Um, and then from there, I, I'm just going to rely on the fact that I've been a post-collegiate for three years now and uh, have a decent network of people. And so when there's, an, there's a meet, we'll know. You know, that's kind of what I'm rolling with at the moment. I, I really hope that there's some local meets in California. There's some that I used to love to travel to down here, and now I wouldn't have to travel to anymore. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I would love if some of the schools are still putting those on, but I understand that uh, they might not even know at this time. Yeah. So, and beyond that, luckily, yeah, there's probably some opportunities for some inter-squad meet um, with a group in Alabama or even just the fact that the thrift community is really pretty tight-knit and very approachable. And so, you know, if we're all in a similar spot where there's nothing available something will be created. We will make something happen because we all need some sort of mark to be able to know where we're at at this point. Right. Eventually, you know, given the fact that it's safe and that it's approved. Um, but yeah, I, at this point it's, it's different than any other season typically would be, especially leading into an Olympic year. But, um, I don't know. I think you just have to find some peace and knowing that it's going to, there will there will be something you just need to be ready right yeah mm-hmm. um which is which is which is what i love about the throws community like you touched on like you know even though everybody's competing for spots 
they're also just so supportive of wanting, you know, just to get together and, you know, be uh, to better everybody, which I think is, <clears throat> is so cool about, you know, what former Olympians are doing for athletes, um, you know, just wanting to continue to build, um, you know, that legacy and like continue to see USA, you know, throws to grow and to hopefully one day just, you know, dominate across the board, you know, because I think we're kind of late to the game as far as like throws are concerned. And part of that's because of the media, because we don't necessarily get a lot of uh, airtime when it comes to Olympics, unfortunately, um, or anything, or anything, but yeah, yeah, any of it, (laughs) uh, except for like cutting away from the, you know, 85 laps that go around the track to show like one shot, but throw, but I'm not bitter about that at all. It should be a split screen because watching, watching, a mile race developed. Oh yeah, race. for sure, for However, sure. Watching somebody get six throws is also very cool. Instead of just watching one or two, I, I just think it should be a split screen or like a a field a field channel and a track channel, so you can flip back and forth. Yeah. Because there, there's so much more than just this is how far it went. Yeah. There, there truly is like a developing factor in a throws competition, and that just gets missed when they only show one or two here and there. Right. Yeah. It's There's so much that flops and goes up and down my sophomore year. When I took second, I was in ninth going into my last throw. Wow. (laughs) I had like thought myself into a hole and, you know, had fallen down and wasn't throwing as far as I should. And then I got past um, previously leading into it. And I just sat there and told myself, you're, you're not, not making the podium like go throw something and all yeah. of a sudden they pop out a throw that's three centimeters short of winning you know so you miss those types of things when you're just showing oh this person threw this far <laughs> right exactly they don't know the, the, all the lead up to all yeah, that stuff way more is, story that occurs that people don't know unless they're there yeah which i told which i love about dragon field um it's just yeah the, all that stuff is just awesome um what I want to ask you too is, you know, like you know, I mentioned in the, in the intro that you participated in the 2016 Olympic trials, which I'm sure was just an amazing, you know, thing to to be a part of to see some of the you know people that maybe you you watched growing up. Like, you know, obviously Carol Winger is kind of the name that we all know um, in the you know the javelin you know community. But um, you know, how was that for you, like? Um, going in there, uh, obviously your first trials, and then what are some takeaways that are uh, that you w- experienced there? That obviously, like going into trials in in June of this year, like that, like it's not going to be like a shock and awe type of moment. Like you, you kind of already know what to expect. Like what do you, what are some of the things that you learned from that experience that are going to help benefit you um, coming in this year? Yeah. So. I- well, I think the one thing that also gets overlooked in a lot of general public is the fact that there is a championship every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that every four years it's called the Olympic trials. And so um, you get a lot of experience leading into those things. It's a very similar competition. There's very similar athletes um, in a trials year. A few more people will come out of the woodworks because they're like, well, maybe I'll make a team. Um, and there's a few other things. I think usually there's there's like a prelim round and then a final, like a there's a, a pre prelim round and then prelims and finals a second day. So you have to get used to throwing back to back, which 
isn't very common in javelin, um, especially considering, you know, it takes a big toll on your shoulders and your elbows and your back. And so throwing the next day sometimes is a challenge. Um, but so you just have to prepare for that and, you know, train a little differently slightly or maybe enter a couple meets back to back to get used to that if that's your concern. Um, for me in 2016, I was coming off of my senior year of college. Um, there was a big push for me that year to make it to the trials just because I wanted, I wanted to, you know, accomplish that. Um, and I had just thrown, uh, the biggest PR, um, like two weeks before two or three weeks before coming to the trials. And so I was really excited about that, that, you know, moved me up in the standings and was very, very cool. But at the same time, um, it had been a long season. And so unfortunately there was a level to me that I was just kind of burnt out. And so it was a really weird feeling to be like at this meet that you've wanted to be at forever. And also just be kind of like numb. Um, in terms of the competition, I was, I was ready and I was excited to throw, but like leading into everything, it was kind of like, Whoa, here we go. What's going on. Um, and so that's one thing this year that will be completely different. I will be, you know, that's what I'm preparing for. That's not an extended, extended season for me. Um, there's nothing dragging that out. It's, that's what I want. Um, but so 2016 was really fun and really exciting. I did not have a lot of expectation on myself in terms of placement. It was more just like, you made it here. Congratulations. Enjoy it. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, no, let's, let's go do some real work. Um, <laughs> so it's a, probably a completely different mindset going into the meet than it was then. Um, but I'm so happy to have been able to have that experience to kind of get your feet wet and, um, and just, be able to get to enjoy um an olympic trials and yeah. also to get to do it at eugene in 2016 mm -hmm. and then now get to hopefully do it at the 2021 completely remodeled stadium is a really cool um yeah. experience i think yeah. To get to have. yeah which is kind of interesting because you know, no, unless they actually go to, you know, Oregon, like no one's ever, no one hasn't been in there. So it's kind of a different feel. Like you're all, you're kind of all on a new yeah. kind of playing ground as far as like knowing like how, how the wind blows in that stadium, like where, you know, exactly where the layout is, like, who, you know, what you're, you're surrounded by. Um, obviously you can see pictures, but it's obviously different. Like when you're actually in the stadium to like, like yeah. understand what that looks like. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, kind of a fun, like little tidbit because, it's not like, oh, I've been, you know, these guys, you know, Kara Winger, who's been there, you know, you know, four, yeah, four, <laughs> yeah, like four Olympic trials and all these things. And, you know, she's, she could like, you know, know everything. Like she's got to also familiarize herself with everything that's kind of laid out, which is kind of an equal ground, which is pretty cool mm -hmm. um, for that aspect of it. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to like, you know, see the trials and obviously running the meme page and, and getting to know more of like the athletes that are at that level and obviously wanting to showcase the Olympic hopefuls like yourself um, and getting to know you guys a little bit more. Like it just means a lot more to me to be able to see and root for all of you guys to be successful um, and then watching you on your journey to, to go out there and, and do your thing. Um, <clears throat> but 
you know, I, I have a question for you. Um, it's kind of important and hopefully you know the right answer. Um, no um, <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, have you tasted the water down in California? Yes. Okay. So can you please tell, set the record straight? There is a distinct difference between the water that's in Washington and the water that's down in California. Can you, can you verify that? I can verify that, and I was nervous about that moving here because the tap water in Washington is so much better. <laughs> However, I am very happy to report that Redondo Beach is not as bad as straight up LA, I think, because most of the time when we travel there for track, I could not manage to drink water out of our hotel faucets, and I've been drinking tap water the whole time I've been here, so... It's a little better, but it's still not the same. <laughs> not the same, people. Like no. people, people think that water. Like, what are you talking about? Like people, because I tell people all the time, like water in Washington is like way better than you know what you guys are getting for California, Arizona. But you can set the record straight. It's very true. <laughs> um, well, I'm off the clock right now, aren't I? Uh, well, technically, you, for this call, you are, but not the other. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, was my, that was my principal. Just giving me a hard time. <laughs> um, anyways, I appreciate the time that we have gotten to talk and, like, gotten to know you a little bit. I, I do want to um, give you an opportunity to kind of share. Is there anything that you would, like, want like, to share about yourself or talk about anything? I don't know. Do we need to say any? Is there enough fun facts? Is there enough? What else is interesting about me? I don't know. You're going to have to answer that question. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's see. Three fun facts. Three fun, Three fun facts. facts about okay. Katie. Yeah, here we go. Three fun facts. Um, most people would know if they see my social media feed that I have an adorable one-year-old puppy golden retriever named Mia. Okay. She made the move with us to California, and she's now enjoying beach life, so that's good. Um, second fact, my high school javelin coach, who was my elementary school PE teacher, also ran our elementary school unicycling team which sounds very nerdy, but actually was pretty professional because we competed at the um, Blazers halftime shows once a year. It was pretty cool. <laughs> so I can in fact ride a unicycle with not too much challenge. I'm not probably as good as I was once prior. Um, third fun fact, I'm pleasantly surprised that Tillamook ice cream is sold in California because mm -hmm. that is the best. But if you mix monster cookie and chocolate peanut butter together, it makes a very good bowl of ice cream. <laughs> Dude, that was just a, like, not only with those three fun facts, but you, I think you just like changed people's lives with that like little tidbit there. <laughs> like, honestly, like that, and people, how people are going to go out and get some Tillamook ice cream and a monster cookie. Well, it was on sale the other day, like three or four for something really cheap, which is not the case ever with Tillamook. And so I just yeah. went out on a limb and tried the monster cookie flavor and did not, it did not disappoint. With some peanut butter. 
Yeah, with the chocolate peanut butter. It balances better. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Um, I do have some fun questions that I want to ask you that I uh, I always ask everybody um, as they come on the show. Um, First of all, the one is, um, do you have like a night before a comp or day of comp routine that you like – was kind of quirky for you I mean I always share the ones that come on here and <clears throat> to people who are listening I always like used to lay out my uniform so I put the on the floor so I put my jersey and then I'd have my shorts and then like a couple inches down would be my socks and then my shoes at the end of my socks like as if I was laying on the floor and if I was wearing like a headband or whatever I put a headband like where my head is and then like like my arm like an armband or something like that or whatever I was going to wear and I laid it out on the floor like as if I was sleeping on the floor and I remember going to uh, a meet down in Oregon uh, that we're going to compete at Gresham, Oregon at a meet in high school. And like, I remember like a runner and he thought that was the craziest thing that he's ever seen. Like he thought I was a complete weirdo, but I told him, I was like, that's, that's the key to throwing far. Like you gotta lay your stuff out. You ain't doing it right. You're not doing that. So um, that's kind of what I did, but I don't know. Did you like have anything quirky like that? I think as I've, gotten older into the sport I've lost most of the quirks because it's so inconsistent about what you actually have leading into a meet that if you have less expectations it's better but I do I do make sure that my uniform's all laid out and then it's folded so nicely way more nice than I ever fold any of my clothes so that it looks looks really good (laughs) and then you're ready to go um when I was in high school I always had pasta before meats, Mm. but that got very simplified down to only having spaghetti before meats because one time my mom made lasagna and I did not have a very good meat at all. So we called it loser lasagna and we had speedy spaghetti for every meat. And you know, in high school you have like three meats a week. So I was eating spaghetti like all the time. (laughs) So that was probably that. But yeah, as I've gotten older, it's simplified down. Just trying to make sure you get enough sleep. It's really yeah. probably a thing. It's not always the easiest, but right. probably okay. my biggest thing. Like loser lasagna, I think I'm gonna start serving that up. I think that's gonna be a thing. If my throwers do badly, I'm gonna I'm just gonna come out with a plate of lasagna and they're gonna know what's up. <laughs> she makes really good lasagna. So we had it during basketball season and stuff, but not during track season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um that's awesome. Um one of the other fun questions I like to ask, and you know, some people have some, but some people don't. Um, do you have an embarrassing throwing story that you can recall, like, can happen? I mean, I don't know. Maybe because, like, at Civic Stadium, like, I mean, obviously it's embarrassing if you threw over to the right sec- sector and it like, went out, like, over that fence. For those people who are listening that have competed there, like, the fence, the fence line is legitimately, like, next to the, right, like, the right-hand sector. And if – if you let it go early or whatever, and that just drifts, like you're going fishing in the woods, like trying to find on a hillside of some woods to try to find that javelin. But well, and that, that wind blows, the wind blows left to right. So if it's a windy day, it's high odds. There's a yeah. lot of people that have thrown it over the fence or off the fence or <laughs> yes. Luckily I'm not one of those. Nice. Um, yes. I, well, it was during practice, I guess. I mean, I've hit myself in the head multiple times, plenty of different things. But there was one day during practice that I was doing approach work on the like high jump apron. And it was early season because the cross-country team, like the whole men's cross-country team was collaborated like by the starting line. And it was like 
really early in the season because the freshman boys were out there and like, I, I still didn't know most of the team at that point. And um, I don't know what year I was, but I was deeper in my college career. I might've even been out and, you know, I'm feeling pretty cool doing approach work because there's a whole audience there more than some throws meets you get. And, you know, running down and get into my crossovers and I trip over my feet and the javelin flies out of my hand about five feet on the high jump apron. And I just penguin slide across the turf or not even the turf, the, the track surface. Oh gosh. And I kind of just get up and start laughing because that's the best recovery you can have. And I'm like, well, how many of them saw that? <laughs> Let's do another rip. Oh man. But there's in a couple of those. There's, you know, random head wax. There's all sorts of things, but that one, that one's most memorable. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate to say this because, but I, I love watching people fall down. Like YouTube videos of people falling down, it like just make me, make me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so, sorry that I don't want to come to be mean, but there's one out, there's one that's out there that a, a father's like sit like in his car. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it's been out for a while. And there's this corner that's like icy and he's just out there commentating of like people like falling down around this corner. He's like, Oh wait, wait, what? He's going way too fast. And like these kids like fall down and he's just <laughs> laughing. It's pretty, it's hilarious. Oh. It's just so funny. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. favorites. I have a slow-mo training video of me doing like my block slipping on the turf and mm. me penguin sliding through the turf <laughs> and I'm slow-mo penguin sliding, but I've lost that one. I've, <laughs> I've been looking for it for a couple of years. <laughs> That would be a good one to find it and put up there yeah. on the Instagram for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, uh, if, if Here's a question that I came up with today. I mean, if, if you would be able to have dinner with three people, um, like, you know, living legends or just people in the past, it doesn't have to be famous or whatever, um, who, who would you eat with? Like, they could be, like, dead or whatever. Like, who would you have dinner with? Hmm. Oh, that's a hard one. I don't know if I have a good answer to that. Oh, gone. No? I don't pass know if I pass on that one? I might have to pass on that. Sorry. I don't, I'm not, like, good enough with the pop culture. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, it's, they don't even have to be famous. They could just be... You know, people you want to have dinner with. It could be, you know, Bethany Drake or. <laughs> had lots of dinners with Bethany Drake. Yeah. Shout out to Bethany Drake. I don't know if we'll keep that in there, but shout out. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, for me, like, I, maybe I'll start the ball rolling. Like, for me, like, my childhood heroes were, like, Michael Jordan. So he'd probably be one of them. And, like, Ken Griffey Jr. Because he's just an icon in Seattle. And the third one would probably be like, I don't know, someone like um, like Cortez Kennedy or like Walter Jones, who was a, a football player for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I think those are like like my child. Like if I would go back to my childhood, like those would be like probably the guys. Maybe Sean Kemp. I don't know. I'm just like throwing all these Seattle sports stars out there. Oh, Seattle. Yeah, I I think. I mean, without being too sad, I think I would go more towards like family members that I haven't seen 
fam- mm-hmm. in a long time family members that have passed away that like you could have a family dinner with you could bring yeah. three family members back and have like a family dinner with those people again i think that would be better than any anything that's awesome that's a good answer that's way better than mine for sure <laughs> i feel bad because like i you know if, if i thought about that i probably would bring my dad back because he passed away in 2010 but I, i'd probably it'd be nice to have dinner with him one last, you know another time but yeah i hope my answer was bad my, an- <laughs> my answer was bad oh my goodness no, it's so not. yeah it was bad. i think a lot of people focus on icons but i for some odd reason i never really picked like really strong sports icons growing up so yeah. i think like Yeah, I lost my dad two years ago as well. And so any dinner with him again would be amazing. And then yeah. also his two parents yeah. passed away when I was younger. So that would be kind of cool to like have dinner with all of them again. Yeah. Man, that was good. Now I feel <laughs> stupid. <laughs> uh, okay, moving along. Um, do you have any hidden talents that um, that people may not know about you besides like riding a unicycle? A maybe? unicycle riding? Yeah, maybe that's it. I go to. Um... <laughs> I like to cook. However, I really haven't explored that much lately. My boyfriend's been cooking a lot more, which is like awesome. So I've kind of just been letting him do that. Nice. <laughs> He's really good at um, smoking meats on the Traeger. And so I kind of Ooh. just let him roll with that. And I just make a salad and call it a day. But nice. I do like to cook. We have the sous which is like some fancy water boiling machine. Oh, yeah. And you can cook cheesecake in jars in it. And it's like, super good <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of my go-to right the moment okay she's kicking a jar i like that yeah well except for our go-to at the moment is like anything take out because we have no we have our furniture hasn't been delivered yet so we have nothing nice. <laughs> for the next week i think yeah. about two or three weeks we're like camping basically <laughs> nice yeah. um another fun question is if you could be on uh, any reality tv show that's out there maybe or maybe not running right now uh which one would you like to which one would you like find to be fun to be on the amazing race nice for sure it's the good mix like you don't have to always eat all the gross food or always yeah. do scary things but you get to like travel and um yeah my mom gave me a 13th birthday party that was amazing race themed that was probably the coolest birthday party i ever had and she still like claims that as well um and when bethany and i would go throw in canada we would joke about we were training for the amazing race because it's kilometers and you don't have your (laughs) maps on your phone and so we would always joke about that as well so yeah that's definitely definitely would be my go-to that's awesome that's a good answer um And then this next one I call are called favorites. I'll just ask you like, what are your favorites, and then you can kind of give me an answer. But first one is like a favorite animal. Corgi. Like a dog. <laughs> they're funny. They have Dude, short little legs. I know they're so and, weird like, though. Like kind of hard for them, which you feel bad, but it's also just so funny because they don't think it is. They just run around like do 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 and then hop on things. When I first, I mean, corgis, I, I, I don't know, this is, must be sound weird, but I never really saw corgis, like, in, in real life until, like, my wife and I, like, moved up to Lake Stevens, and then one of our neighbors, like, had, a, a, like, two of them, and I just remember just being fascinated by, like, because it's, like, literally a, a regular-sized dog's head, like, as if, like, it was, like, 
like a big lab dog head, right? With like a wiener kind of sized like length <laughs> body, like it but it's so all, but it's also like yes, like but it, and then like these tiny like little yeah like, little legs, and I'm just like, what is this thing? Like what? Yeah. Dog I don't know if I'd ever own one, but I just love watching them run around. I think it's so funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny. Um, do you have a favorite song or a favorite type of music you like? Well, I grew up on country, which is very controversial with most people because they either love it or they hate it. Um, but like Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, like anything by them is amazing. Um, other than that, yeah, I listen to a lot of, I listen to pretty much everything. Not really screamo, not really into screamo, but pretty much everything else. And my nice. old, or my work, my co-worker won't he doesn't like to listen to the same thing twice so we we really get out there with nice. all sorts of random playlists cool like you know i I'm a, I'm a country fan you know um but that's mainly because i feel like country music to me like kind of changes throughout the years i feel like like back in like the day when i used to listen like old school like i, I guess now it's called old school like rap and r&b like, it's yeah. not the same. Everything's kind yeah. of auto-tuned and everything, but, like, give me some old school, like, voice. Boy, yeah, give me some old school. Like, I'm, I'm down. All, all that. Mm -hmm. Garth Brooks, yeah. voice to men, like, all that. Like, yeah. I don't know. You still got to have a mix, though, because you don't really want to lift a country that much. You got to get something True. a little harder for that. <laughs> so, I think that's why it's just whatever. It matches my activity. Yeah. Good. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, do you have an all-time favorite movie? Hmm. Mm, I definitely switch it up a lot. I think the Marvels are really good right now. I like watching all of those in a row. But in terms of all-time favorite, no. No. <laughs> no. Maybe like, well, I'm trying to think. No. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Like, that's totally cool. All-time favorite? No. That's okay. That's all right. As long as you didn't say, like, Legally Blonde or something like that, like... Well, that, that's the thing. I don't want to just toss one out there that I've watched a couple times and then be judged, so... <laughs> no. no one's going to judge you. I mean, I would judge you if you said Legally Blonde, but that's okay. Um, do you... Okay, do you, have, do you have a favorite smell? Like for me, like for me, like I love, like, I mean, you might, you might relate to this cause you're from Washington, but like, I love in the spring, like if you're at a track meet and it's been sunny and it just starts to rain just a little bit, that just like smell, like I just, I just can't describe it. It's almost like a, like a wet grassy type. It's like one of the best ever. And I, I think it just brings me back to just like, all right, track season's like here. Like that's, that's kind of like my favorite, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I could, I mean, in terms of like, an, it, like that, there's definitely that time in the spring where it finally, the sun is a, like finally coming out and it's getting warm and people start mowing their like lawn and you like walk down the street unassumingly. And there's a little bit of that smell of like the cherry blossoms or like the flowers blooming nearby. And then the fresh, like fresh cut grass smell. And I'm just like in my backyard as a child. Like it's like, yeah. the, it takes you back. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it'd probably be like whatever's cooking. Yeah. Yeah. like oh there's dinner downstairs we're good to go <laughs> nice. yeah i like that um do you have a favorite cereal 
I used to eat a lot of cereal. I tried to cut back because I ate a lot of cereal in college. Um, but like Special K Red Berries, yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Nice. All right. I'm kind of old school. I I, I just I like Honey Nut Cheerios. I feel like that's yeah. like always. Have you tried the Honey Nut Checks? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I have. Those yeah. are good. Too. Yeah, the chocolate checks is really good too. Ooh, yeah, I never tried chocolate cereal. It's just kind of, I don't know. You should try the chocolate checks because it actually has some of like just the regular in there, so it's not all chocolatey. Okay. It's a good balance, but like muddy buddies in a bowl with milk. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Well, but that we'll does see. sound like a, that does sound like a good idea though. <laughs> all this stuff would just melt off and be in the bottom. That's probably true, yeah. But then you get to drink it all. It's like it's like second, it's like yeah, second breakfast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, did you have a favorite childhood show or like cartoon, like growing up? I really liked Rugrats. I was oh, a big okay. fan of Rugrats when I was little. Yeah. Mhm. I probably That's would awesome. I was. Uh, I, I don't know. I I always liked the. You remember the cartoon Recess? Yes. That, mm, yeah. that one's up there. That one's yeah. definitely up there. Yeah, I was always, I always loved that one. Just, I really liked that one too. Yeah. It was always like you come home from school and recess is on and you're ready. Yeah. And then you have to do homework later. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally what it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, your favorite snack food? Mm, I really like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't know okay. if that's considered a snack yeah, food. Yeah, sure. But it's like my sure. go to. Yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. I think I I didn't like them when I was a kid. I was like afraid of peanut butter or something, and so <laughs> I think I'm making up for it. <laughs> I I wouldn't say afraid of peanut butter. I guess maybe like more like the idea of peanut butter on a sandwich just didn't sound good to me, okay. and like jelly mixed together. And then yeah. I realized I was completely insane when I was like <laughs> in college, and so then I started eating them all the time. Well, that's that's what happens when you get to school. You can't really be picky because you don't have a lot of money, so. <laughs> Like, this is easy, and I can eat it while doing homework. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have a go-to, like, coffee drink, Starbucks drink? Probably, like, well, either a van- vanilla chai tea latte, but you have to find those at the right places because they're really good at the right places. Otherwise, they're disappointing. Um, or a just a straight up mocha but with cinnamon like sprinkled cinnamon on top there you go i have to be careful though i can't have too much coffee i get all jittery yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome i mean i'm sure you could list out the ones in bellingham that are like legit coffee houses out there there's definitely so if you're look if you're in bellingham and you stop sorting your trash and you want a good vanilla chai tea latte. There's this place called I Want a Mocha, but the Fairhaven Exit, because there's different ownerships, the Fairhaven Exit, and it's, like, the best. Or you can go to Magdalena Scrapery and get one in, like, a proper cup and sit down and drink it, and it looks beautiful, and it tastes amazing. Those would be my two. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, Yeah. <laughs> And then after you're done, you got to make sure you put the things in the right bin. So just be yeah. 
just be careful. Well, if you go to Magdalena's, they give you a cup and then you just leave it and they wash it for you. So there you go. Nice. There you go. Well, perfect. That's probably where I would go. Yeah. Um, do you follow any sports teams? Like, do you watch any other sports? Yeah, I, I watch Seahawks games on occasion. You know, I'm not saying like I watch every weekend, but I watch them for sure. Um, other than that, I think I just mostly follow, I just try to follow like track athletes because I feel like they don't get very much, you know, coverage. So yeah. a lot of Instagram watching of track athletes to see who's doing what and how people are doing. I love watching sports in general, but I don't just sit down and like avidly watch one over and over. Right, right. Um, and then lastly, like if you were not a thrower, um, what would you want to be? Like it could be another a kind of a sport or it could be a non-sport related uh, job. Mm. If it was sport related, I definitely would go volleyball because it's my other love. It's just so much fun. Um, non-sport related. I would either go something in an athletic field where you can like help grow athletes because I think that, I don't know, that's just in my blood. Athletics is in my blood, <laughs> but, um, or I'd go something along the lines. I mean, I'm a graphic designer as well. And so I'd probably go something more in the art field. It's a little more elevated than where I am now. That's cool. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I was more artistic. No, I think it, I don't know. I think even I wish I was more artistic. <laughs> I think it just takes a lot of practice. <laughs> Muted. Um, sorry. Last thing I want to give you a chance to like give some shout outs to people around you. Cause sometimes when you tell people that you're going to go on a podcast, they're always like, give me a shout out, like shout me out. So I just want to give you opportunity to, you know, say hi to those people and shout out those people or like, you know, you know, those who like just support you that you really appreciate. So give you the time to do that. Okay. Well, I think I've been really blessed to have a lot of people in my corner um, through my career. So definitely would have to shout out or say thanks to my mom um, as well as just my whole family and my boyfriend, Mark, for putting up with the crazy hours and crazy things that we have to do as athletes. Um, and then probably Amanda Short up in Bellingham because she is still training as a Western athlete. She is going into, I think her like sixth season because of red shirts and COVID and craziness and she's bound for greatness. So keep an eye out for her cause she's pretty sweet. And um, we've been able to train together some through this COVID craziness so that we still have a community. Um, uh, other than that, USA Javelin Project, that whole group down there, they're doing great things. Keep an eye out. Watch their, um, watch their social feeds. They post a lot of really cool things. Yeah. Um, and then I also just want to give a shout out to you. Uh, if you don't already follow Katie on Instagram, you can find her at Reichert.kd. So that's R-E-I-C-H-E-R-T dot K-A-T-I-E. 
give her a follow, support her journey as she is looking to potentially make some noise in the javelin women's javelin event the uh, this upcoming year at Tokyo 2021. Um, so go out and give her a follow and check her out for her support. And again, also just follow the USA Javelin Project as well. Um, you can see all the cool things that they're doing. But anyway, Katie, I appreciate the time um, uh, that you made out to you know come and chat with me so we can get to know who you are. Um, I wish you the best um, in the upcoming months leading up to the trials that are happening in June. Um, I wish you all the best. Hopefully, as you get settled down there, in California that you're able to, you know, find areas to throw and, and, uh, you know, meets to compete at, um, as we hopefully start to open up, um, areas, you know, here and there, but yeah, I wish you all the best and I can't wait to see, uh, what happens, uh, in your career. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Good. Awesome.